Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Temple of Geek podcast. My name is Elizabeth, and I will be your host as we discuss the first four episodes of She-Hulk. There will be spoilers for these episodes, so if you haven't watched She-Hulk yet, press pause, go check out the episodes, and then come back here. If this is your first time tuning into the Temple of Geek podcast, welcome. The Temple of Geek podcast has been around since 2012 and is hosted by a variety of geeks from the Temple of Geek team. Here we cover all manner of geek and pop culture news and events. To our returning listeners, thank you again for tuning in. We really appreciate you being here. With me today are Alexandra and Monica. Hello, guys. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, Can you please introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about yourselves? I'm Alexandria. I started working for Temple of Geek a few months ago, and I am big into comic books and anything Marvel and DC. Those are those are my main my main houses of geek, I guess. Um, very casual Star Wars fan, and then super Game of Thrones and Harry Potter nerd. So, hi guys, my name is Monica. I'm the editor in chief at Temple of Geek. Big fan of Star Wars, Doctor Who. Uh, Marvel, and I'm just so super excited to be here to talk about She-Hulk. All right, and then for those of you who aren't familiar with me, my name's Elizabeth. Like, these guys, huge Marvel fan, though I will say I mostly, like, I was, like, kind of, like, casual Marvel fan. Like, I'd watch everything, but, like, recently kind of got more into it because of No Way Home. <laughs> like, I read my first, like, actual Marvel comic the other day, which is probably makes me a bad person <laughs> for waiting that long. No. Yeah, I, I read, um... Oh, what was it? Uh, the Renew Your Vows run of Spider-Man. Yes. I, I am very much going to need Marvel to adapt that. But um, yeah, big Doctor Who fan, big Star Wars fan. And I help write with Temple of Geek, mostly about Doctor Who stuff, but some Marvel and some Star Wars as well. All right. So let's jump right in, guys. So first of all, what are your thoughts overall about She-Hulk so far? And Alexandra, because I know you're a huge comics fan. How do you feel they've done so far? with adapting the comics and what they've brought in from the comics too. I, I freaking loved it. So my thing with Miss Marvel was like the minute the show started, I was like, this is a solid comic book adaptation. Because for me, what that means is not that they adapted the story frame for frame because that's physically impossible. That's never going to happen. People need to let that go. The essence of the character is what I need to be accurate. And they did it with Miss Marvel and they did it again with She-Hulk. Like this is who she is in the comics everything about it was accurate and I, I I loved it. I mean, yeah, the the way she got her powers was was vaguely similar and the way they've structured the show is definitely the same. Like the comics are just her doing her lawyer thing. And so I love that they kept that without trying to shove like a big bad or overarching plot or something in there. But as far as like her personality and and the way she's reading to the camera and everything is is very, very, very comic book accurate, and I loved it. Yeah, I think it's the same for me. I don't have any comic book background. Aaron Powell from Temple of Geek, who was a former host of ours, he in 2019 when the show was announced, he did a full like video for us about like the history of She-Hulk, and he loves her, so he like talks in depth about it. I'll link it in the show notes, and he just gave us like all this comic book background on She-Hulk and that was the extent of what I knew. Most Marvel projects, like most Marvel films, my introduction is like Kevin Feige telling me his story and like, you know, the the animated series and the television shows as well as the films. That's kind of the extent of to like what I know. And so coming off of not knowing the comics, not knowing a lot other than just like basic facts, I thought it was great. 
I thought that it was hilarious. I love funny. Most of my favorite Marvel movies are where they're being funny. Uh, so this was like right up my alley. Tatiana's uh, performance, I just thought was so fun. And I love her. I thought I liked her in Orphan Black and I love her in this. And I was overall, the first four episodes were solid for me. Yeah, I, I just think the show is just an utter delight. Like I couldn't stop smiling the entire time, you know, and there were so many funny moments without being too over the head of like, this is a comedy show. You will laugh. Like they were genuinely funny moments. Um, especially like I laughed so long and so hard at the first end credit scene in the first episode. (laughs) I was dying. I can't wait for people to to see that. Um, I also, like you said, the fourth wall breaks were really great. I also liked what the, the best term I could come up with it was the Twitter wall break in, I believe that was, yeah. was that episode four or episode three? I can't I remember. I comments on that later. The comments. <laughs> <laughs> like, I loved that. I'm like, this show knows exactly what it is. It knows exactly what people are going to complain about, unfortunately. Like, I'm going to be shocked if when Matt shows up that they don't make some reference to, like, the comments that people have been having about, like, oh, they're going to Disney him and make him funny when he's such a serious character, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I, I love it when shows are self-referential like that and that they embrace kind of, you know, what they expect it to be. Like, I'm also... I don't know if you guys have ever seen Galavant, um, which was a musical comedy on ABC, mm-hmm. which people do, you know, it's a musical, It's which is a hard sell for some people. And like, I loved all the, like, there, there was a line in that show about like, you know, will all this singing kill our Nielsen ratings, you know? So I love it anytime shows crack jokes like that, you know? So I, I, I just loved it. I can't wait for more. <laughs> It was kind of a bummer getting four episodes all at once because I'm like, dang it, now we got to wait a month. Now I have to wait. <laughs> yeah, and so for context, for, this episode is being released after the fourth episode aired, yeah. but we watched the first four episodes before the first episode aired, and so we binged the first four and got to see them. So for us as like journalists, we don't get more episodes until much later. And so sometimes it's like, that's the one thing I miss about fandom life. Like when you're doing screeners, you've already processed and watched everything far before the rest of the fandom has watched it. And so you Mm -hmm. almost had to process it by yourself and have these moments by yourself. And you almost lose a little bit of that community feeling because you don't get to like geek out and freak out at the same time that everybody else does. So that's the one drawback to like entertainment journalism and TV journalism and things like that is that you kind of have to find a different like way to like contain your excitement until you can share it with everybody else. So exactly. yeah, yeah. Like, be a long way to get more episodes. Yeah. No. Um, I try to but geek out with my husband, but he just doesn't do Marvel the way I do Marvel. So he's like, yes, honey, it's cool. I don't know what you want me to say. I'm like, no, you don't understand. <laughs> I don't, like I've got a couple of online friends who like don't know about my work with Temple Geek. And like one of them is a big Wong fan. And I just want to scream at them about like, oh my God, but I can't. You know, 
you know, yeah. you mentioned the whole Matt Murdock and Charlie Cox and how they said that he was going to be here. I was looking at IMDb before we started recording, and it has him listed for nine episodes, like as if he was going to be there the whole time. And then it has you, Renee Elise Goldsberry, um, and it has her listed for one episode, and she's already had one cameo in the beginning. And I was like, there's no way they pulled an actress of her pedigree of her like level of her stature for one cameo in the beginning I think that sometimes like if we're looking at like sites like IMDB or other like rumored sites we start getting ideas in our head that like oh the show's gonna go this way because they said he's gonna be in all these episodes but when it really comes down to it like he hasn't been in any of these episodes and we might just get a little cameo later on. And we'll so, probably yeah. get a cameo, cameo at the end. And the funny thing about that is, you know, the big online discourse about him being in the show is it's a funny show and they're going to make our serious character funny as if he's never cracked a joke in the comics before. Like, tell me you haven't read the comics without telling me. Because like Jun's fourth wall break, uh, it, this isn't going to be a cameo of the week show. Uh, remember whose show this is. People need to remember that it's not about him. The show is not about him. He's going to show up for five minutes. It's okay if he's funny for five minutes. Your your world will not end. <laughs> I know. Like, I, I was saying to somebody, I'm like, man, if there was ever a show for that I Am Not Daredevil shirt that people, that comic panel Thank that you. people like to throw around, <laughs> I really hope that that comes up too. Because I was also thinking, like, I, I don't know why I didn't realize that the show was set in LA until I sat down and watched it. But I'm like, huh. What's getting Matt to leave Hell's Kitchen? Right. Hmm. You know? <laughs> or if they just have but, yeah. a case together or they're working on opposing cases. Like, that yeah. brings major law firms across yeah. the country all the time. But, yeah. All right. But, yeah, I, did, I, can't, I can't wait for more of this. But we'll, we'll talk about that more in a bit. Um, so, like, in the first episode, we see Bruce training Jen and walking her through what at least he thinks or thought was going to be her process with her Hulk were there any standout parts of that to you because it it was like a fun episode to kind of watch him deal with that let's consult my notes Elizabeth um (laughs) I actually have a whole list of these scenes but like as soon as the show started I wrote uh women wrote this show for sure and I have a whole list of scenes that proves that because there's no way a man could have come up with these things but like the scene where they're meditating And she's like, I'm always controlling my anger. I can't be too emotional at work. Men will call me names and I have to just deal with it. Like I, when I get catcalled on the street, I am always regulating my anger. That's just my baseline as a woman. That it it was, the show showed us that women wrote this show without being preachy about it. But that was a really, really important moment because I'm just sitting there nodding. Like, I, like, tossed my notebook. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> this is, it, it, it resonated with its, its designated demographic. Like, sorry, dudes, She-Hulk isn't specifically for you. It was created and directed and written by women. It's, it's for us, and you can watch it, too. But this, it, that scene specifically was very, very outstanding for me. For sure, yeah. And I think what I really enjoyed about their interaction and the fact that, like, because so our Hulk 
MCU Hulk, um, you know, Mark Ruffalo's Hulk, we, he didn't get his standalone movie. And Abomination is from the Edward Norton, you know, <laughs> film, right? So for yeah. me, it was really nice to see Bruce Banner dealing with all this stuff that they that's only referred to in the MCU. It's referred mm-hmm. to that he, you know, at the in Endgame, he's like, oh, I did the best of both worlds and now I'm happy and balanced and this and that. But you didn't actually see his process. All these scenes mm-hmm. that he goes to, he just tells you these things happen to him, but we never see his process. So for me, I really enjoyed seeing Bruce Banner just kind of like giving us his like getting a little deeper into his character and saying like, he struggled so hard. He, you know, he had to do this. It took him 10, 12 years. And like the healing journey is still a thing for him. He constantly has to work on it. So I really appreciated that moment where like, you know, we see like really just how much work Bruce Banner put into becoming the best version of himself and how he's constantly mm-hmm. working on that. So I really appreciated that. But I also appreciated that Jen Walters is really just so different from him because her experience as a person is so different. What she's dealt with as a woman in her career, in her life, everything has set her up differently than mm-hmm. you know Bruce Banner was set up. And also the circumstances are different. Bruce had to go through it alone while he was being chased by the government and people were trying to kill him, this kind of yeah. thing. Whereas she always had somebody there and a safety net. She had Bruce Banner to kind of like, even if he didn't really need to show her that much and she would have figured it out on her own, it was nice to have somebody there who understood. Despite right. the fact that there was different ways and they handle everything differently, at least she had somebody. And so that's kind of nice. You know, she didn't have to kind of go through it alone. If she asks questions, she can just call it Bruce, even though she's independently her own person and can mm-hmm. handle herself. It's nice to have friends. It's nice to have family and a support For system. Sure. So I think that makes a difference in how Jen is able to kind of like get through it so quickly because she knows, oh, well, Bruce went through it and he's fine, you know? So if he's fine, I'm going to be fine, you know? Uh, And, you know, so that, that's always nice. I also really love the way they wrote their relationship. Like sometimes when you watch like family scenes on TV, you're like, there's no way they're related in any way. Like that family does not talk to each other like this, but the fact that they just full out thrashed each other, she helped him fix his bar. And then he's like, yeah, you can leave. Like that was, prime you might as well be siblings honestly like the, the way yeah they, they really felt like siblings yeah the way they wrote all the family scenes really really good especially the the family dinner scene that she had to have I'm like yeah. oh I'm having PTSD <laughs> like this is it was <laughs> it was just really really well done and the writers were very informed on on what they wanted it to feel like not just what they wanted the audience to know on screen yeah it's like Go ahead. I almost Sorry. like felt bad for Bruce the entire time. Like he like fully expected that he was going to have to like, you know, deal yeah. with Jen having, you know, as he calls it, the other guy. And then he's just like, Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, but I, then the same thing, like I loved her discussion about how like, yeah, I have to control this anyway. Like I've had practice in having to control myself and not react to certain things, you know, um, like that was just, it was perfect. Like, I know that they had taught, I forget if that had been, if that scene had been in a trailer or just something that they had 
discussed with the show before, um, but it, it was it was just perfect because it, it was a really really good point that they made with Jen saying that. Um, I also really loved. This is like only slightly off topic with this question, but like I also really loved Bruce's whole setup and like I did not expect to be getting science bro feels in 2022 with Tony dead, but. <laughs> I was like, yes, Tony entirely built a Hulk-sized lab and said, oh, I'll give this to you on loan. <laughs> Let me I help did. you build a bar. And by that, meaning, you know, I you build the bar and I will sit here and drink and complain about Steve. I was just like, oh, I'm like, I miss Tony. But I did oh. like that kind of callback to Tony and yeah. because he is such a big part of who Bruce Banner is and especially like what they went through in like age of Ultron and things like that. I did appreciate that, you know, Bruce is talking about him and how they had their like initials etched in the bar and stuff. Cause yeah. really in their world, who is as smart as they are, who could understand each other on the level that they could understand each other. So I did kind of like that. They threw in very quickly that yeah. nod to like their friendship and like really Tony was trying to make sure he was okay. Yeah. I wish he would have made sure that Sam and Bucky were also okay. And Bucky That's what I was going to say. Don't Avenger. We started on, like, Miss Marvel and the drones, because I will sit here and complain about that for, like, ages. Like, Tony. <laughs> like, hate that Mysterio was right about that, too. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this is an origin story after all. So how do you think Jen is handling her newfound powers and like the fallout from her going public with them? So far? Um, very comic book accurately. She's very resistant to them. She's like, I don't want to be a superhero. I, this just happened to me, but now I have to do this for work. Cause this is the only reason I got hired. Like I have to be in my She-Hulk form. I love her reaction to the name. Cause it's hilarious. Um, <laughs> A little bit of context for She-Hulk in the comics, and and if anyone has listened to my podcast, Lady Comic Book History, I talk about this all the time. Uh, She-Hulk is one of the very, very few women in all of the history of comics that was never like created and born out of sexism and then just stuck there for decades. She was always her own character, um, so the naming She-Hulk was a little bit tongue-in-cheek anyway, because all of the other female characters at the time were just female and weaker versions of their male counterparts, or they were named she miss lady as a, as a way to degrade them a little bit before you even got to know who the character was. And so they made a physically strong character who could in most situations stand up to the physical strengths of Bruce. And they called her she Hulk. Cause they're like, yeah, but but she's just as strong, um, which I think was very, very nice. And I loved that she she kind of poked fun at that during the show. Yeah, and I think that she dealt with it the way most, I, I don't want to generalize, but the way some women deal with life in general, like, I don't have time for this right now. <laughs> I have so much on my plate. I'm doing so much. I, I can't, like, I can't right now, you know? And it was like, you know, it'll be something that I will deal with later. I can't deal with that right now, you know? Right. And so that felt very relatable to me because especially like 
um, you know, just trying to run a website and everything. I'm constantly like, I don't have time for this. Oh my God, I can't get sick. I can't do this, that, like I need to just focus and like get things done. And so I could understand how she has all these responsibilities that she needs to take care of and things that are important to her. And then suddenly this like wrench gets thrown in and she just needs to deal with it as quickly as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I got to go. Yeah, I thought it was interesting to how, like, yes, it shows how much of her in her life has changed, but also how much, like, hasn't really in a way, um, you know, because she loses a job, but then she gains a job because of She-Hulk, but also, like, her dating life, she still struggles with, you know, um, and she's still doing everything. It's just there's an extra level to it, you know, and, and I think it's very interesting, like you guys said, where she doesn't deal with She-Hulk outside of you know, when she, after she leaves Bruce, she's just like, nope, not going to do it. I've got it under control. And then this superpowered lady comes busting into her courtroom and she's like, oh, fine. You know? And she even says later, she's like, was I supposed to just like, like maybe I should have just like let them get squished because then I wouldn't have to deal with this kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And another thing too, that it was just like a little, I mean, they talk about it a little bit in the show and maybe they'll talk about it more later, but like when the guy was like, Oh, we need you to be she Hulk at work all the time and she was just like uh, like that kind of I was like yikes you know I'm like she's just as capable as mm-hmm. as Jen as she is as She-Hulk I'm like unless you're expecting people to bust in and like start tearing stuff apart she doesn't need to be She-Hulk all the time it kind of like reminded me of how there's some jobs where like they require women to you know wear makeup or wear certain clothing or whatever have one of those (laughs) very I thought it was interesting and I hope that they kind of expand on that a little bit more in in later episodes because it was one of those ones where it's just like yikes well I think (laughs) her face said that too she was like but why like I get it in court because she is higher she is heading up a a superhero division of law um so I I get wanting her to be She-Hulk in court but She-Hulk at work for yeah. meetings, I guess, but like yeah. all the time while she's just chilling yeah. in her office at her desk. Why? Yeah, I think exactly. it's a corporate thing too. Like corporate companies want to be like, look what we oh, have. Yeah. We have a superhero, blah, blah, blah. And it's about branding. It's about this and that. Yeah. And so they want their brand, which is we have a superhero division led by superhero lawyers, right? Like mm-hmm. they just want to like show her off. They don't, you know. That's totally yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it was a, a, a quote unquote diversity hire or whatever. And it's like, right. but she's Absolutely. very capable. Exactly. And it's like, yeah. it feels like she's a little frustrated by that, you know, for sure. Where mm-hmm. she's like, I am capable of doing this job. And yikes, I got hired just because of this thing. But at the same time, she's like grateful she has a job, I guess, you know, but it's like. Ugh. Right, right. It's these impossible like, choices of like, what do you, sometimes you like have to do something that you don't really want to do or is. Yeah integrity issues and stuff but also money is a thing and she needs it so yep yep um so one of the things that I liked about that scene is that like she breaks the fourth wall while she's walking with him and she's telling us his thoughts I was really confused at first because I thought like she was telling him that or saying it out loud and I was like oh no Mm -hmm. wait she's talking to me (laughs) yeah no, I think it, it's, I, I kind of liked to, it, it was just a little thing, but how like in one of her fourth wall breaks, when she's like with Bruce, Bruce is kind of like, wait, what? But like when she does it around other people, they're just like completely unaware. I thought that was kind of a funny little touch, you know, I'm like, wonder if Matt will catch her doing a fourth wall break or something. 
when there are any other heroes that show up, you know. Yeah, um, I love it. So we talked about this a little bit already, but, you know, Jen, in one of those fourth wall breaks, she says this isn't a cameo every week show. That's one of the scenes that have been in a couple mm-hmm. of the trailers. And she says, you know, apart from Bruce, Blonsky, Wong, and plus there's, you know, other cameos that have been teased mm-hmm. for upcoming episodes. And that says that viewers should remember whose show this actually is. Do you think they've struck a good balance with that so far? Or does it, you know, do you think that they're doing a good job with making sure that people remember it's her show or... Um, Are they relying a little too much? I do. I think the thing with cameos and specifically having multiple cameos is the cameos need to um, aid and inform the story and not overpower it. And I think they struck that balance really, really good with No Way Home. Um, That was my main concern when it leaked that the other two Spider-Men were going to be in it. I'm like, this better still be Tom's story. I swear to God, if nostalgia takes over this movie. And they did a really good job of making it Tom's story and they were there to help. Um, I think that balance was not struck very well in Multiverse of Madness. I think it could have been done easier or like better um, by either expanding on that scene or just making it even a little bit shorter. Like the, the Illuminati cameos. I, I have comments on that movie. I just don't think it was handled very well, but this show I think has handled it wonderfully. I think it strikes great balance. It makes sense to have Bruce in the show because one, they're cousins two, that's her origin story. Right. It wouldn't have made sense to not have him in the show. Um, Blonsky, I, I like that they are, one, just not writing off that that Hulk movie happened like most of the fandom does, which, I mean, fair enough, it was not good. But um, but they're blending, they're like, guys, this is still canon. Like, this is, we're going to rope this back in. And, and I appreciate that aspect of it. And then I love having Wong in it because it's just fun. It's a fun show. And I think his character helps that like a lot. Yeah. Let me just say that I am team Wong. I love him so much. I want him to be the new Nick Fury and like, he's just in every movie, right? Like Like that's what I want. I want him to be the new like Nick Fury. And so it, I love the way it tied into Shang-Chi and the legends of the 10 rings because the whole, you know, Wong and Abomination fighting. And now we're getting some kind of like closure on that. And it wasn't just like this little throwaway thing, which I'm not one of those fans that needs constant continuity. Like I can suspend my disbelief for a little while. (laughs) I can just, yeah, 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 whatever. Like I can just enjoy it and take it in. Right. Mm -hmm. But in this sense, it was so cool that it like matched up and it gave me excitement because Shang-Chi is in San Francisco and, you know, Jen is in L.A., so I'm like, oh, my God, are they going to be together? Like, uh, I'm so excited just for the future of Marvel. People keep saying they're, like, so stressed out about where Phase 4 and Phase 5 are going, but I'm just like, are you kidding me? This is amazing. Look at all these new people. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm living for the day when we get Kate Bishop, Yelena, um, uh, Kamala, and Peter Parker together. If I can get those four together, oh my God, like those are the cutest. Like I don't want to call them kids, but I'm like we just, we just in have forties. So to me, they're like kids. girls in one section like because that's eighteen. That's, that's so. the that that is the vibe of that whole group. This, like, like I, I feel like she's ten years for that. Everyone else is like superheroes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I will happily wait ten years for like an to see those four together. 
because I know that they're all their individual stories and their individual people. And I don't need an right. end game level event every year. I can wait 10 years. I, I have the patience. I'm here for the long haul. Right. Yeah. Um, but I'm just so excited about all these new characters. I, I've been so excited about phase four and all these new introductions <laughs> and now throw in Jen Walters, like, ah, like I'm going to love this. I already know I'm going to love this and yeah. tying in, I love that they tied in Shang-Chi and Abomination and, and Wong into this, but it didn't distract from the story. It was just like, right. oh, this is what was happening. And you didn't really need to see Shang-Chi to understand mm-hmm. what was happening in the situation. You didn't really need to see Multiverse of Madness to know about Wong. Like, it's kind of implied. I think right. they're doing a good job to, like, if somebody jumped in in She-Hulk, they might want it might be something where yeah, they okay. it'll pique their interest and be like, oh, I wonder what happened. Let me go back and watch those. But I don't think you necessarily needed to have seen everything to understand what's happening right. in She-Hulk. So I did appreciate that. Because after 20 movies, somebody who's just coming into the MCU may not spend the time to watch 20 yeah. movies. Like, you know, it's kind of like Doctor Who, right? Doctor <laughs> Who is like not everybody's gonna go back so it is nice to have these like introduction points and i think miss marvel and she hulk are really great introduction points because they're new heroes um even though hulk has been like around you know in the mcu this whole time but she hulk herself like it was a nice introduction because even hulk restates his his story and mm-hmm. so if somebody doesn't really know what happened they can kind of figure it out from the first episode where he's talking about what happened to him you know right yeah like like the um miss marvel and she hulk are like good entry points too i think like you were saying because these are characters who have if not like entirely grown up but mostly existed in the mcu with a knowledge of what's going on and so they're able to you know fill in those gaps kind of thing for anybody who hasn't seen everything everything you know mm-hmm. um but yeah like like you were saying Alexandra it, it's they did a really good job of like making the cameos like feel organic mm-hmm. where they made sense for the show like yes of course Bruce is going to be there for sure Blonsky, like yeah that's a great like little way for her to have her first case as a superhero lawyer and in her new role then of course you're going to have to have Wong in there because of course they're going to find out that he broke him out of prison to go fight in that, you know, underground fighting ring kind of thing. And so it just makes sense. And then, you know, and then Wong is like, Oh, she knows her stuff. I'm going to get her to help with this other, you know, superpower type thing because this Mm -hmm. guy is being a jerk and stole a sling ring and all that fun stuff, you know? Um, It'll be interesting to see how, I mean, there's an obvious way, you know, obviously Matt's a lawyer, but, you know, in, in, in the trailer, we see him as Daredevil first. So it'll be interesting to see who shows up first Mm -hmm. (laughs) in terms of how they make that work organically. Um, And it's just fun. It's, it's great that they can show these characters. I thought I saw something really interesting too, where apparently the writers really wanted to include some Spider-Man characters, if not Spider-Man himself in this, but they were told no, because. Well, I'm assuming Venom since they're in the same area. Yeah. I was thinking Ben, I actually just watched Venom for the first time for the last, for the first time last night, or even I was thinking like the, the, because they never stated who the other guy's client was in that first case that they showed where she had to, you know, Hulk out and, and save everybody from, from that, from mm-hmm. that lady whose name I cannot remember right now. Um, and I, and like, as they were talking, I'm like, are 
are they talking about Norman Osborn? Like, it just felt very, I was like, this feels like Norman Osborn is coming in, you know, but I'm not super familiar with like the entire litany of Marvel comic characters. I kind of like find out about them as the movies come out. Um, But I was just like, yeah, you know, they, they have a lot of good avenues for bringing in different characters in the show without making it seem that's what I said it's a good show because with her as a superhero lawyer to to bring in lots of minor characters that people who don't read comic books have never heard of which they're already starting to do because the end credit scene of multiverse of madness had Clea and the number one freaking question I heard when the final credits like cut out was all right, who the heck was she? And so I'm like, I, I got to explain it to my husband. I got to explain it to a group of boys as we were walking out of the theater. Um, <laughs> but it's it, it, they're starting to throw things in there specifically for comic book readers and specifically for... for it, it, the cool part about that is if not a lot of people know who it is, it's really hard to screw up. Like, no one's holding you accountable to their adaptation, so you can just do whatever you want, which is good. That's, I mean, I... As as a hopeful future filmmaker, I appreciate that. Like, you don't want to be tied to the comics all the time, and the three of us who know who Clea is is not are not going to do that. So you do what you're going to do. Yeah, and I think um, when it it's it's nice to think about like the comics and the you know the movies and the shows as like separate mediums, right? Like. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're getting their stories inspired by the comics, but this is really separate writers writing their own retelling of these stories. And so once you kind of just kind of take yourself out of that and just say, okay, these are inspired by, I don't think you get as hurt about the differences. As somebody who loves books and I love to read and stuff like that, yes, would I like to see a page-by-page adaptation of some of my favorites that I've been imagining in my head for so long or, you know, things like that. Yeah. But, you know, it's different storytelling. And one of the things I always think about with um, one of my favorite sci-fi shows of all time, it's probably my favorite show of all time, is The Expanse. And The Expanse is a sci-fi series set in the future. And the books are based on a one or two person point of view. And you don't get to see a lot of new characters until like the third or fourth book it's just kind of like a very like one man's point of view type of thing but the television series brings has a completely it's it's all the same characters from the book it's very true to the book but it starts in the beginning with an ensemble cast and so you get a lot of people and a lot of storylines that end up leading to the events in the books that happen in like the third or fourth books but we start seeing them happening in the first season which you don't get in the books. And I just think that's amazing because I don't think I would have wanted to see a one-person storyline for two to three seasons. Having an ensemble cast and multiple story arcs happening all at once makes it more interesting to me. I always think about it as like Game of Thrones in space. Mm -hmm. Um, when I think about the show and Game of Thrones had this constant like rotating characters where you're like, wait, who's the main character? Like, you know, because constantly it's like moving and adapting and it all merges in one place, you know, like they all meet at one point or whatever. But I think that if they had gone page by page the way it was in the book, I wouldn't have been as excited about that show. I might've liked it, but I don't think I would have loved it because so many of the characters that I loved on the TV show are vaguely mentioned in the book 
for three seasons or for three books. Right. They don't even come up, but they're, they're like my favorite characters from the TV series and they're there from the beginning. So knowing that and what great television that show made. And, you know, I think that I would like to, I think I like to separate them and just be like, okay, yeah, I get that the comics are like this and I get why people want them to be like page by page agitations, but I just, you're going to hate it and you're going to be miserable all the time if you just expect that. Well, and as someone who sits around writing screenplays in her spare time, not every story works in every medium. You you cannot do a page-by-page adaptation of any comic book story because, I'm sorry, comics are picture, picture books. And yes, the rule for screenwriting is show, don't tell, but you still need more dialogue and some exposition, and you don't get that from comic books. So you're already asking people to change the story. They have to change the story if they're going to change the medium. That's how it works. Um, but I think what Marvel is exceptionally good at is taking the characterizations for the most part of, of the comic books and keeping the integrity of the character and then pulling the coolest parts from storylines and building it around them. Like you, infinity war did not happen like that. First of all, the, what they adapted was infinity gauntlet, not infinity war because those are separate Mm -hmm. comic books. Um, (laughs) but they took, pieces of things because we also don't have all the characters in the MCU that you need for most major comic book storylines. We're going to get them, but without the X-Men and the Fantastic Four, most of the Infinity War sized events don't exist because when they have a major event in the comic books, it is a major event, including nearly every character we've ever seen. So they have to change it a little bit. Um, I just wanted to say something about her fourth wall breaks before I forget, because I've seen a lot of, I've seen, you you know, whenever a a woman comes out with her own show or movie in the MCU, we see complaints before anyone sees anything. Um, But one of the the complaints I've seen is about her fourth wall breaks. Oh, she's just trying to be Deadpool now, blah, blah, blah. First of all, she broke the fourth wall first in the comic books. Her first fourth wall break was in 1989 and Deadpool's was in 1997. So, just thought I'd clear that up real quick. She did it first. <laughs> nice. I didn't know that. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I love that. I did notice something as I was like looking through the production notes and the history of like She-Hulk and that she came around in 1980. That's when I was born. So like the idea of She-Hulk is as old as I am. So I'm 42. <laughs> and like, uh, I don't know why I thought that was like so cool because the eighties was very well known for like corporate, like wall street kind of like things. And I love that she was a lawyer in the eighties and she wasn't reduced to some kind of like homemaking domestic role or something, or like Mm -hmm. her husband was something or whatever. I love that she was like this power woman. And so that's, you know, it, it gave me a little bit of the working girl vibes, you know, and I kind of just like that. It, you know, it's a little thing for me. I like that she was a powerful woman in the the eighties. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really cool to have someone like that because I dive through female comic book history all the time. And it's very, very rare to be like, well, she's cool now, but what was her origin? And her origin was just as strong and badass as it, as it is now, which doesn't happen so she's on a very short list of comic book characters that pass that check all right and and again it's also something we've kind of talked about a little bit already but like how do you feel about the tone shift in this story this project versus like other recent mcu movies um and and shows because we've gotten some very 
like we have had, you know, like Thor, Love and Thunder was kind of funny. Um, but like a lot of the stuff more recently has been very serious because of the fallout from everything that happened in right. Endgame and Infinity War. Um, I think, I think the fandom hates when characters are funny, like the toxic part of the fandom. They're like, I didn't get it. It wasn't funny. I think the movie was garbage. I'm like, well, you're wrong, but that's fine. Yeah. Like just first of all, lighten up and enjoy yourself. Second of all, I think in a MCU world where we have so many like big cosmic events and like the weight of the world is literally at stake all the time and the stakes are so high. It's nice to just relax and watch a character do their character thing. Like you're just, it's just a fun lawyer show. Like just let it be a fun lawyer show. It doesn't need to be any more than that. If you want to see her in a more serious setting, we already have secret wars confirmed and she was in it in the comics. So maybe they'll tie her in, but like, it's fine. Just let her let her be funny because one that's also true to the comics, and those are normally the same people that complain about the humor in the MCU. So pick one. Do you do you hate funny or do you want comic book accurate? Because you're getting both with this. <laughs> so um, I think I I love the tone shift. I I think it's necessary for the MCU right now. So it's not all dark and heavy, and I just hope people come around to it more. <laughs> Yeah, I think that, like, um, one of the things that I've noticed with certain fans, and this is a generalization, I don't mean all fans or anything like that, but there is, like, one type of personality of fans that I have noticed that need, that have problems, like, with their emotions, right? And they seem to have very little empathy for the most part. So the very dark stuff with the heartbreaking moments seems to be the only time that they can connect with something because Mm -hmm. it's so huge that they are like, Oh, I understand that. So somebody with more empathy and more kind of like compassion can easily relate to smaller stress level, street level stuff. That's not as huge you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I have noticed that there are personalities that tend to draw towards shows like Moon Knight who have like these heartbreaking things. And then they could be like, yes, I can relate to this character, but they can't relate to a Miss Marvel who's having like high school friendship issues and trying to find herself and coming of age and things like and that. And yet they can relate to Peter Parker. Which right. Is, right. That's another conversation. That's a whole another conversation. <laughs> a whole other conversation. <laughs> But keeping that in mind, so Peter Parker is an orphan child. So it's like the worst case scenarios, right? He's already, his backstory is tragic from the beginning. Batman is tragic from the beginning. So they can relate to these extreme situations, but like they have no empathy for a character who has their whole family with them and a support system and things like that. So sometimes I feel like I see more complaints about like, not being able to relate to a character from people who have a hard time relating to others just in their regular everyday lives. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, it's like they can only relate when the stakes are super high and they, the street level appeal to them. is like nothing. But for me, for example, I really like the street level stuff because like Hawkeye, the Hawkeye show, I loved it. I thought it was great. It was so fun for me. I love the tracksuit mafia. I wanted them to have Mm -hmm. their own show. (laughs) Like they're just Please. Like, it was great. I mean, I know we're getting Echo, which is great, and she's part of that whole thing. Yeah. 
Um, but I can't wait to see the tracksuit mafia in Echo. Like all that stuff seems like fun to me. And I like when the stakes aren't so high because superhero fatigue is a thing, right? Like these end of the world events, everybody, they're saving the world every day, like really every day, you know? Um, so I kind of like the street level stuff because of that, but you know, every kind is different, you know? I, well, and I think that also goes to people that don't watch Monster of the Week shows. Like, any Monster of the Week show. The beginning of Supernatural. Almost the entirety of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. All of Doctor Who. Yeah. All of Doctor Who. Like, I feel like people who don't watch Monster of the Week shows don't understand that everything doesn't need to be high stakes all the time. For every single one of those shows, they get to something that's high stakes eventually. But for 90% of all of the seasons, they're just doing their thing every day. Like, and oh, I feel like true. if you yeah. didn't, if you didn't grow up on shows like that, um, you don't know how to watch things that are just low stakes and relaxed. Yeah. Right. And then uh, they, just, they just came off like the biggest high stakes that they've had so far <laughs> in Marvel. You know, it's like, yeah, let's, you know, like, like people have been saying phase four is about yeah. kind of resetting, introducing new characters and just like building up to the next thing. It's like, mm-hmm. you gotta wait can't all be end game all the time or it can't even yeah. all be no way home all the time you know and you can't because th- that was years in the making I mean when did the Tobey Maguire movie come out 90 something I don't know I think it, I think it was 2000 I think it, the first one was 2002 and I mostly know that because I saw a trivia thing about how they had to edit <laughs> one of the New York skyline posters before the movie came out oh, oh that's true you know yeah, that yeah, makes yeah. sense yeah. Uh, <laughs> um yeah. yeah so with uh with like those movies, right? That was 20 years in the making for that movie. And I think Mm -hmm. sometimes the fandom, a lot, not the whole fandom, right? But a lot of the fandom was very young. Like for example, I got into the MCU in 2004 with the first Iron Man movie, right? And I took my, at the time, my, uh, I'm sorry, 2008. Uh, Mm -hmm. I took my four-year-old son to see that. I was like, 28, 29 or something at the time when the first Iron Man movie came out. So my kid grew up with the MCU and I saw it as an adult, right? So for me, the passing of time seemed longer. For him, time goes by fast. You're a kid, you don't realize how long time has been, you know? So for him, in his formative teenage years, he's gotten all the big events, And Mm -hmm. that's what he's remembering the most. He didn't remember the year and a half, two years in between movies, you know, because he was so little at the time. And so now he just remembers the big events that all happened in his teenage years. Mm -hmm. And so like sometimes that that's the, that's the expectation that everything should move you and like everything should be like this big, huge thing. And he doesn't remember that it took a long time to build up Thor and Loki and their relationship. It's like a long time to build up, Iron Man. I mean, Iron Man had three movies, plus he was, like, in every other, you know, right. movie and adventure movies. There was so much buildup to this stuff. So I think sometimes, like, they expect the same huge, big stakes type things, and it's just not going to happen. you got to wait another 20 years, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is going to be a little bit less. Because, like, what, what the... Because, like, not only are there two Avengers movies coming out in the near future, they're coming out, like, seven months apart like from each back other, to too. Back, yeah. I'm like... 
whoa, can we at least do a year? (laughs) Well, geez. And I'm, I'm enjoying the amount of content we're getting. My only problem is that these poor VFX teams cannot keep up and they're being given impossible deadlines. And then everyone's complaining about the CGI as if it's the VFX team's fault. Like, you you know know what? I'm a Doctor Who fan. CGI does not scare me. I'm like, I watched Dino princess i don't mm. <laughs> i'm like some, some of you need to sit down and watch uh just the first episode of the 2005 revival of doctor oh, who when oh yeah mickey pub trash can <laughs> it's the greatest way to reset is, people yeah i mean yeah and sometimes I, I, you gotta I, just like not expect excellence all the time and you will enjoy I, things a lot more just like exactly. just chill so spend your disbelief for like a minute exactly. well, that, and I, i'm begging marvel to lighten up a little bit because tormenting these vfx teams into cranking out content is just it's just not worth it like we I'm, will I'm, wait I'm, the fandom needs to learn patience now i'm kind of hoping that marvel starts using the um i can't remember what the exact name is but that big video wall that the star wars project's been using because that seems to that has to save a decent amount of time having those backgrounds already in there and already lined up with the camera movements. Yeah. I mean, I feel like with some of the characters, especially like the flying ones or the web slinging ones, it'd be a little bit more difficult to line those movements up with a big video screen, but I'm like, it would at least help some of it, you know, instead of just yeah. everything being on a blue or green screen. But Well, and also technology is changing, so hopefully things will get easier for people as technology yeah, right. develops and stuff like that. I did want to uh, just kind of briefly mention that Um, I really like the forking that's happening in the MCU where it seems like we're splitting. We're going to have like our street level stuff, like the Hawkeyes and the Miss Marvel and stuff like that, like the low city level stuff. And maybe She-Hulk is even part of this. Um, And then you saw Hulk was off in space. I was like, whoa, hold up. Yeah, so, you know, Hulk is heading off to space, and then we already have Nick Fury out there. I would say, remember, we have Nick Fury with scrolls right now. And then we have the Eternals that are out in space. We have the, you know, Thor out there in space. And so I feel like there's this forking of, like, stuff Mm -hmm. that the gods are doing, the celestial beings and all that kind of stuff, and then your street-level stuff. So I do like these two different worlds, and I wouldn't mind them not converging anytime soon. I agree. I'm totally okay with them just having their own little storylines and just letting the MCU fork. And for people who are not as interested in all the spacey stuff, they can stay with the street level stuff or vice versa if you enjoy both or whatever, right? But I I think that makes it easier for new people to jump in. Like they Mm -hmm. can choose what they want. It's like a choose your own adventure game now instead of like up to Endgame. Uh, When Endgame came out, there was YouTubers and everyone all over the place. You can watch the movie. You don't need to understand. Like, you'll understand everything, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, you won't. You won't understand what you don't understand, but you know you won't. You will be missing giant gaps of stuff. Um, oh, for sure. Like, and, and now, since they're kind of separating things, it's it feels like it's easier for people to jump in because if they didn't do that, it's it, you're, you're alienating all of your potential fan base. Like, they... 22 like what are we at like 26 almost 30 projects now that's a lot like people can't jump into that that's insane no one has that much time we're all working 12 jobs no one has that much time so so i think separating it a little bit and giving us good entry points like she hulk and this marvel like even if you start with the street level stuff to just kind of catch up on what's been going on and then go to the cosmic stuff it's a little bit easier to catch up now than than it would have been if they weren't doing that yeah, and, and I kind of like um, 
I like how they're kind of able to do genre within the genre now. Um, kind of, you know, because this is a comedy show, Multiverse of Madness. This is going to make me sound like a wimp. Was horror, more or less, to me, at it's least. I know that Sam yeah. Raimi's a big horror director, though I didn't know. I only knew Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movies before going in because I am not a horror fan and did not realize how much. And... I honestly was not a fan of the horror stuff in Multiverse of Madness. You know, there were, there were parts of it that I liked, but like, if you're going to start the movie taking a giant eyeball out of a creature, I am going to be uncomfortable the rest of the time, <laughs> you know? And so I, I like that they can do the genre within the genre. So it's not all action, all spy thriller stuff the entire mm-hmm. time. You know, we can have comedy, we can have horror, we can have, you know, anything else. I am waiting for a Marvel musical thing that would be really great would <laughs> that love, would be would love it that would make me really happy i'm like hey can we uh make the full stage production of of the musical and rogers yes. <laughs> they, they they honestly like I, I am shocked like if it is not an announcement at d23 i'm going to be shocked because they have a perfect spot to put like a 45 minute edition of Rogers the Musical in Disneyland right now because the theater that they have their Broadway style shows in like they had Aladdin for a while and then they had Frozen and they haven't had anything in there since they reopened over a year ago it's like literally right outside of Avengers Campus (laughs) it would be perfect I would love it it would be amazing you're like I need Um, to talk somebody and they're planning I'm like get Kevin Feige on the phone right now (laughs) I'm like hey listen please because this was amazing. Like, I know there were so many people who hated that musical moment, but like, I was dying. My only concern with it was it popped up. I go, they're supposed to be on Broadway. Who did these costumes? Like, what is going on? I'm like, there has never been such a low budget Broadway production. So, have you seen the Broadway? Oh, I will. The the it does the Into the Woods revival that's out there right now does have very. Um, um low-key yeah, yeah we'll talk after the recording uh <laughs> I, am, I, I do have a ticket to see that and i'm very excited because i'm going to premiere <laughs> comic-con and but you know it yeah, but yeah i'm like if you're doing a musical about superheroes in a world where like nanotechnology and like actual real magic exist you couldn't come up with <laughs> why does this look like a high school production <laughs> yeah i'm like are they in previews like but they wouldn't be inviting celebrities to media pre- to like to, to their, you know, before opening. This night. is not it's how like, Broadway works, guys. <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm like, uh, yeah, but yeah, hopefully if, if they ever do it, I'm sure they could make some better costumes, but that's, again, a whole other discussion. But yeah, you know, but what I'm trying to say is, you know, kind of how like I didn't like the horror aspects of Multiverse of Madness. I get that there are people who aren't going to like the comedy aspects of this show. I just hope that they can realize that that does not make it a bad show. A bad show. Right. There Absolutely. Are, one of the biggest things about online fandom discourse that bothers me is that people cannot separate their dislike of something. Like they can't, there's so many people who don't understand that their dislike of something does not mean it is objectively bad. Right. And that just exhausts me. There, you, you know, can always I, I could have a, an objective and a subjective opinion of something. Now art is only objective to a point. Yeah. Um, but I think specifically film is a little bit more objective than other pieces of art because it can be taught, which means there is a structure. Yeah. So if that structure is terrible, then it's objectively a bad piece of media. Yeah. Um, but 
you can still like bad things. I like grease too. Are we pretending that it's good? No, but it's terrible. And I know that, but the other thing is people just need to acknowledge that those are separate things. Like your opinion is not the end all be all of the actual quality of the thing. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And you can enjoy things that are not good. Like they're not like, I I think that's what people forget. You know, most of the biggest blockbuster movies out there that have brought the most people in are not winning Oscars. They just are not, you know, they're not, they're not getting awards. They're not, you know, they're getting fan favorites, you know, Mm -hmm. but they're not winning Oscars. And the thing is, people just like movies to like movies, you know, and I think sometimes people feel really offended when people don't like what they like. They feel personally attacked by that. I don't know if it's an insecurity where you think, oh, I must be, you know, dumb or something because, you know, people don't agree with me or something. So they start defending or fighting back or feeling defensive. But just because people do not like what you like doesn't make you less than in any way, shape or form. You know what I mean? And just because you like something that other people don't like doesn't mean that those people are less than you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. that this is one of those times where it's like, especially with like the MCU and all these different, like, like you said, it's like over 30 pieces of media for like the MCU and being able to catch up. It does not matter that you did not see all the movies leading up to that, that you haven't been here since 2008 or 2002 with the Spider-Man movies or whenever, that does not matter. It does not make you less than of a fan. If you jumped in literally at She-Hulk and that was your first introduction and you love it, and now you say, oh, I love Marvel, then you love Marvel. Whether Mm -hmm. it's just that one piece of media that you saw. And I think that sometimes, I know where gatekeeping comes from, for especially for geeks like, in my day, in the early 80s, we had very limited amounts of geek culture and stuff like that. And a lot of people got made fun of. I didn't. I had great friends. Um, but, you know, I didn't get made fun of for that. But a lot of people did or they were bullied or they seen as losers or we see it now like, oh, you like Star Wars. You're a dork. You're this. You're blah, blah, blah. And, you know, people grew up with that. And so then suddenly the thing that they loved is really popular, but they had suffered all this trauma because of this love of this thing. I understand why they would feel like they want to keep it to themselves or gatekeep it or something like that because they suffered for it. Right. So I get where that comes from, but it's not healthy to like gatekeep it. It does nobody. It's not a service to anybody, you know? And so And just a lot of times, you know, especially, you know, kind of like with me and No Way Home, like, yeah, you know, I I was aware of the other Spider-Man movies, but I'd never watched them. And now I like he's my favorite character. Like, I I didn't really have a favorite character before in the MCU, but now I'm like, I love Peter Parker, all of him, you know. And so I, I, I do hope that more people can realize like, hey, sometimes somebody just happens to see it. And then that's how their interest gets sparked. Like, again, I hadn't really picked up a Marvel comic book before, but then somebody told me about a plot line in one of the comics and I was like, Oh my God, I need to read that. You know, it's, it's, it's a whole thing. We could do an entire podcast just on 
just random culture. Like, oh my goodness. But yeah, again, I just hope that people realize more people need to be able to say, hey, this was not for me, you know. Like, and that's okay. And not every single thing is going to be for every person, but that doesn't mean it's bad. It just means it wasn't something that you enjoyed, and that's fine. Right. You just need. I to will say there is a line. There is a line for that um, because we saw it a lot on the internet after Ms. Marvel. Um, something not being for you because of the genre is fine. Something not being for you because it's a young female protagonist is not fine. <laughs> like, exactly. There's a difference between preference and sexism. Oh, exactly. And, right. and I think, and also racism goes into that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I didn't have a favorite MCU character. I love the MCU movies. I've watched all of them. I've, I don't think I've ever missed an opening day. You know, I've... I've always just kind of like made them like a big event, you know, and, you know, as a mom, we used to do the Halloween costumes where we're all like, you know, matching characters from the MCU and stuff like that. And like my family were big fans. Right. But I didn't have a favorite character from the MCU, but I love the storylines. I I have favorite movies, but I never had a favorite character until Miss Marvel. And I was just like, Oh my God. And I think a lot of it was like the representation on the show and things like that. And one of the things that made me sad was that so many people did not watch the show because of the representation that was on there or it was too woke or it was too this or too that or whatever. And I thought it was just so brilliant and it kind of hurts my feelings a little bit that more people are hyped about the white female She-Hulk character and the brown girl from Jersey. So I do have hurt feelings about that, especially from like diehard Marvel fans. Like I know that the brown and black community really showed up for Ms. Marvel, but I'm just kind of a little sad from the white community that has been there for all these big events and then did not show up and didn't even watch Ms. Marvel. They'll watch everything else. They will watch everything else whether good or bad, they'll, you know, but they didn't even give Miss Marvel a chance because it had much lower ratings than all the other shows. And in that sense, like you said, there is a line there. When you're not watching it just because the main characters are not white, it, yeah. it, it's not surprising, but it does give me some hurt feelings about them, you know, the MCU. Yeah. And then there's, I mean, there's the whole half of the fandom that won't acknowledge Sam Wilson as Captain America in that same vein or the whole I don't half want to of the call fandom. them half of the fandom. There's okay, the whole part, part of the fandom. fandom. <laughs> the, whole, the, whole part, the whole part of the fandom that won't acknowledge Sam as Cap or the whole part of the fandom that complains about the MCU. Like Oh my god. Like now, now that now that women are approximately a whole quarter of of the of the cast okay. instead of the one token female who was over sexualized her entire time in the MCU. Like it's just we're seeing a shift because Marvel's finally catching up with the fact that it's 2022 and there is a very specific subsect of the fandom that hates it. And honestly, the ratings will be fine without them. Yeah. The fandom will be fine without them. Um, and I think it's, it, it's great because so watching Marvel projects, I have had because of what happened to black widow, because of most of Scarlet, Witch's appearances outside of, WandaVision, I don't like it when men write female characters (laughs) because as such in the MCU right now, they're not good at it. They don't know how. 
And so when I, when we sent us the production notes and I, all of the, like half the producers on She-Hulk are women. The writers are women. The directors are women. I'm like, Ooh, I can't wait to see the show now. Like that's what got me hyped is women are in charge of a female character. And, and one thing shows- that I really like is that it's like two directors. It's not a lot of directors. Mm-hmm. So I do like the fact that it feels pretty consistent. I don't know yeah. if that's because the directors, you know, it's the same director for most of the, the episodes, but I did really like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I mean, I have, I have a whole list of, of women wrote this show moments. Like, I mean, the parking lot scene when she was getting harassed and then she was like, wait, I don't have to deal with this. And she just gets all big and green I'm like yes you have no idea how many times I wish I could have done that like um, I I can imagine you kind of see similar in in um it's been a while since I've watched it all the way through but Jessica Jones too like a lot of the team on that was female you know writers directors everything you You can always tell the difference I mean you can always tell the difference like birds of prey versus the original suicide squad and the way they treated Harley Quinn like there's a whole video essay in the works about the male versus female gaze, by the way. It just, I like, cause they're, you can just tell like the internet scene when with, with she Hulk, they're like, uh, Oh my God, a girl with superpowers. What? Like we like, like the world hasn't been dealing with women with superpowers for the last 10 years. I know um, the like, new sequence when they cut away and they're like, Oh, and next she Hulk is going to talk about her diet and exercise routine. She's like, I'm going to what? <laughs> I was like, Oh, that hurts. But also like, so it, it, it's very self-aware and literally only women could have written that. And yeah. it, down to the details, like she, her waking up, in Bruce's compound and having a t-shirt waiting for her as opposed to her waking up with the new t-shirt on her. Like that's a very small detail, but that is a detail yeah. that would not have appeared if, if men had written the show. They, she would have woken up with the t-shirt on her, regardless of the fact that she's staying there with her cousin. Like it, it's, it's the little things like that that I think are really, really important to point out. For sure. And I, I love that you mentioned that. There was recently um, a... A comic book that I was reading and one of the characters says something in the line it was a female character talking to another female and I instantly was so thrown off by this little line that it took me out of the story completely and I had to go see who wrote this and it was it said uh the first name was Jamie and I was like okay that could be a guy or a girl so then I had to google who it was to see if it was a guy or a girl because I was like a woman would never say this and she would not say this to her friend women don't talk like this to their friends you know especially like in in private conversations I was like no no I just could not see, especially this character who's supposed to be super smart, super intelligent, has come into their own and is like, you know, kicking butt everywhere. And I was like, no, no. And so then when I saw that it was written by a man, I was like, oh, and it was one little line that threw me off so much that I stopped reading to start Googling because it just did not feel right. And I have not felt that way at all with She-Hulk. I definitely, even with Miss Marvel, I didn't really feel like that at all. Like it didn't take me on a story, but there are so many times in other like projects where I'm just like, that's not how we talk. We like, yeah. we don't talk to our girlfriends like that. We don't like, so yeah. this imagined way that women talk is just like, yeah. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I, there, there are, there are a few men specifically in comic books, like screenwriting is a whole different game. And I have so many comments on the MCU's writing of women, but because there are so many comic book writers, 
there are very few men that I will enjoy reading. Like if I, if I get excited about a storyline, but then I see who wrote it, I will put it back. I'm like, "Mm, no, thank you. Um, but if, if I know that Gail Simone wrote something, I'm buying that comic book. I don't even care what it's about. Like if Kelly Sue DeConnick writes something, I'm reading it. Like, I mean, they both single-handedly saved characters um, in both DC and Marvel. Like, Captain Marvel, as she is now, would not exist without Kelly Sue DeConnick. In fact, she was on the edge of being just a sexist waste of space without without Kelly Sue DeConnick swooping in to save her. Um, but I, and I, I'm glad that we're leaning towards more female production teams. Um, it definitely makes a I difference. Re- you can see it. Well, it, absolutely. And I mean, it, we saw it with Black Widow. Um, there was women behind the screen on WandaVision. There was women behind the screen on Ms. Marvel. And those, the feelings of those characters are so drastically different than their time on the big screen for a reason. Like that's, women understand the characters better because even the great, even the really great male screenwriters they have it without consulting women, you cannot write a woman character. It's not your experience. Like you can't, you cannot write someone else's experience for them. It's like me trying to write a story about a black man in the fifties. Like it doesn't make sense, but like, but without me consulting any black men, like that doesn't, it doesn't translate. You, you simply cannot do it. And, um, and I think that's my problem with people like Zack Snyder and comic book writers. Like they, consistently don't understand women but feel the need to keep writing them but I would I would rather have zero women than this version of whatever you're giving me <laughs> this is a great conversation like I want to do more questions but like this is a great conversation so no okay. we'll move on it's all it's okay. all good I can rant about this for years I, I do want to mention yeah, for sure I do want to talk about something really quick yeah so they introduced uh Titania like from the first episode and they it felt like she was going to be the big nemesis and the big Mm -hmm. kind of like anti, you know, issue. But I did like that we got four episodes without much of her because then we got to know Jen on her own. It was very similar to like Miss Marvel in the sense that we didn't instantly go to her big baddie or anything like that. And really she didn't kind of have a big baddie other than just like situations she was in. So I really Mm -hmm. liked that about Miss Marvel that we got to know her first before she went into her like superhero costume and and all that kind of stuff in this sense you know from from the first moment you know jen walters is she hulk straight away uh but we have she we've vaguely seen her big baddie and it's four episodes in Mm -hmm. so you know i'm kind of excited that we got that time without seeing her um and I'm very interested to see what they're going to do. Also, there's another character named Todd that we haven't really seen. It's supposed to be somebody she was dating who is like a wannabe Tony Stark. And that's supposed to be coming soon. Um, Played by, I think it's uh, John Bass. Uh, John Bass is playing him. He's playing Todd and he's a potential suitor for Jen who's recently decided to give online dating a try. He decides... She's one of one of her worst experiences, and uh, but she does leave a lasting impression. Uh, but Todd is a billionaire, playboy, philanthropist, douchebag who wants to be more like Tony Stark, but comes off, you know, not I as. Remember if he was one of those bad dates in that one kind of not quite montage. I don't think I can't so. Any um, of their names. 
Because they were that, a bit, all of them were a bit. Yeah, so we terrible. haven't really seen a lot of him. <laughs> right. And we haven't seen anything of Mallory Book, which is Renee Elise Goldberg's character. So I feel like they're setting something up. Mm-hmm for the last five episodes it's kind of nice to get nine episodes even though these are short they don't feel super short no i was very well i I went to write down you know how long each episode was when i was taking my notes and i was like wait these were barely half hour episodes that did not feel like they were paced remarkably well yeah and they did they did a lot in a short amount of time yeah like like some of the earlier wandavision episodes i was definitely like why is this over (laughs) you know but this one i didn't realize how short they were until after I had watched all of them. I was like, huh, wow. They, I thought they that one was Ms. Marvel too. Like these are the only two uh, MCU shows that have really made me go, oh, why is it over already? Wait, I want more. Yeah. Like, why do I have to wait? Like, yeah. and I, I loved WandaVision as a whole at the end and it has yeah. rewatchability, but week by week it was pissing me off. I'm like, I need it more content. <laughs> Especially when they would have those like little like teasers and I was just like, oh, you know, like what's going on? Well, and then see, and then episode four of that show was just pretty much a recap for people who hadn't watched the first three episodes, I guess. And I'm like, just give me Wanda. Why, why do you think I'm here? Why? Exactly. All right. So apart from Jen, do you guys have like a favorite character that you've seen so far in in this show? Um, Her paralegal, her, her best friend paralegal there. So yes, it's like, it's the best, the the way they wrote the best friendship is just so spot on. She's like, she's like, Hey, I need you tonight. Uh, I don't want to go do this. And, and (laughs) Nikki is like, I can't got a date. And she's like, Oh, I hate you. I'm like, I'm like, yes, that is, it's, it's a perfect best friend exchange. They balance each other out so well. Um, and I think she's exactly what Jen needs because Jen's like very resistant to use her powers and she doesn't want all this attention on her and her friends like, nah, use it. Like go do the thing. <laughs> and I think, I think that's important for her character to have someone to push her like that. Yeah. I think there's a couple things that I really loved and about these little side characters yeah. and yeah. the woman from the magic show that ends up they just released a trailer with her and I was like yes people are finding out about her because she's so funny she's so funny <laughs> so funny and she seemed like she was like look man she came out with a heart what did she go through? And she was still like in party mode. I was like, I don't know, man. I like you. You're, you're how, how drunk were you when you went through this portal? <laughs> look, look how drunk she was in heels in that little dress, and she still got to Wong safely, and she still yeah. was okay. That's a Amazing. badass right there. I don't care what anybody says. She is a badass. And now she's besties with this like huge sorcerer. Like and I want to no. thank her for I want to thank her for the nickname Wongers because I'm never calling him anything ever again. <laughs> Amazing. I thought she was cool. I thought she was a badass, and I loved that they made this like so. In every in any other show, she would have been written as like a dumb person or whatever because of the way she talks, because of the way she dresses, and the way she's like partying. But you can mm-hmm. tell clearly that this woman knows what's going on. She's good, except for the spoiling the Sopranos part. Like, girl, that's <laughs> <laughs> Wong's fault for waiting so long to watch that show. <laughs> there, I'm sorry, spoilers expire after five years. There's yeah, no, yeah. there's no. <laughs> but it was just so funny. And then, yeah. um, and then I also, um, I really liked that. Megan the Stallion is like canon in the MCU, and she's a new client. 
So is she a superhero? Is Megan the Stallion a superhero? Because can, she can was, they like, get there? For, can they get her for that long? Like, all right. I don't look. I don't even care if it's just that one cameo or whatever. And she's like, "This is not a cameo show. You had Megan the Stallion." Like she showed up. Like the fact that they mentioned her so much in that episode, but then she shows up at the end, and then she's signing her. Client, I'm like, oh, but she only works for superheroes. She like only represents superheroes. So in my mind, Megan Thee Stallion is a superhero of some level in the MCU, I mean, and I freaking love it. <laughs> I feel like that's our seal of approval that nerd culture is now cool. Like, yeah. right? Like Megan Thee Stallion was on an MCU show. Yeah, we're the coolest people around now. <laughs> the dancing in the office scene. I know oh, that was a like yeah, all of. All of the end credit scenes are amazing in their own way, but that one, I was dying. Oh my goodness, that was amazing. <laughs> it was so great. Yeah, yeah that, that was, like, because I didn't think she was actually going to show up, because, like, they show that little, like, YouTube video or whatever as part of, you know, explaining that that case, and I was like, oh, you know, you, you never see her face, and then she just pops up in the back of the courtroom, and I'm like, what? <laughs> I love it, and I did love yeah. that, they, like, that they win the case by proving that that guy is so delusional that he dumb. really thought yeah. would be into him. I'm like, that's, so gotta be, that's gotta be like every person's dream that you have to go testify under oath about how much of a jerk your coworker is. <laughs> <laughs> Just how stupid is this man? <laughs> Honestly, he's the best policy because he won the case. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, man, oh, that, that was great. I love that. Um, I really love seeing Wong. We kind of talked about this already. I love seeing Wong. Like, he's just such a fun character. I, like, he, I, I just love it. And there was, because I like looking for, like, little details and things. Like, I did pause the episode a couple times to, like, see what was on Jen's bookcase. Like, she's got a uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg bobblehead on her bookcase in, in the first episode, you know. And so when Nikki was looking at Wong's, I don't know if it was like his dating profile or his Indeed profile or whatever the heck it was, but like, you know, she was talking about, oh, you know, he's got a weird resume. He's like the Sorcerer Supreme and he was a librarian. But then the one that they didn't say out loud, but was on the phone was that he worked at Target before he went to Kamratosh. <laughs> I love it. And I was just like, that's hilarious. Like, I love getting like little insights into characters like that, you know? Um, and he just, he was great. And I, and I love his, his, the friendship that he has with, oh, I should know, we should know that character's name because she says it like five Madison. Times. Madison, thank you. Madison, but not with the Y word. <laughs> <laughs> I you think it is. <laughs> She was great. I love her. Um, and just the fact that they brought her back for stuff. I'm like, she's great. I love her. She's so, so funny. And I'm like, it's just the fact that she kept spoiling episodes of The Sopranos. So I'm like, oh, and Wong has this little, like, magical friend. That's great. I love it. He Look, was just, I... I loved him. It's so yeah. much seeing him. I also quite liked um, the, the um, guy that they meet when they go to the new law firm, Pug. I'm like any person who like has a welcome basket that is, you know, good and helpful that includes a little map of the bath best bathroom to poop in at work. That's it. So great. I'm like, I'm like, I like you, dude. You're fun. I'm like, I, I hope that you're, you continue to be a good guy. Cause I think <laughs> it's just great. I, he was so funny. 
and just like all the characters have been been great but yeah definitely seeing Wong and then uh Pog are definitely two of my favorite characters so far apart from Jen they made a Madison pop figure I would buy it I agree I would 100% buy it (laughs) yeah and she can they can have one with her holding the roses another one with her holding the heart oh I would love that (laughs) but I'm still waiting for like no way home pops but that's a whole other discussion um, so was there anything that surprised you about the, these first few episodes? Like anything that they touched on that you didn't like think about or like were expecting to see in the show? Um, so in my notes, I wrote on a couple of episodes, uh, she's Wonder Woman. Like if you think about characterization and like how these two women interact with their general public she has a lot of similarities to Diana. Like she wants to do things the right way. She has a very strong moral compass. She's a very caring personality, but she's stuck in the way that she wants to do things. And I, that, that is very Wonder Woman to me, at least what Wonder Woman should be Um, (laughs) and was at her origin. Um, And I, and it's been a while since I've read the She-Hulk comics, but after I watched those four, I had to pull them up again. I'm like, was it always like this? Oh, it kind of was always like this. Like she, um, she is, and obviously they're two very different characters, but like at their core, um, they share a lot of similarities. And I really enjoyed that because I think that, um, women with strong moral compasses that aren't afraid to throw dudes into cars are kind of my genre. I, I, I like that, (laughs) that as a character, like I must do things the right way, but also don't F with me is, great attitude to have. And, um, I, I guess I didn't expect that for some reason. Like it just didn't click in my head that that's how it would play out on screen. And I, I really love that. I think that a big appeal for me was, um, and I, hold on, I'm going to say her name wrong. Cause I always say her name wrong. Um, a big appeal for me was Jamila, uh, Jamil being on the show because I loved mm-hmm. her in The Good Place. And, you know, she's not a perfect person, but I think she always strives to be a better person, like, in her actual life and in her real right. life. Um, and so I always appreciate that about her because she's very good about, like, owning up to, like, dumb things she said or putting her foot in her mouth. But she always kind of just says, oh, I'm learning. I'll be better, you know. And she has proven over time that she's really one of those people that – are always like a work in progress, you know, and she's always trying to be better. So I, it was, She-Hulk was very exciting for me that we were going to get her as a baddie. And the fact that we only saw her in the beginning, I thought looking back now, I thought I would be really disappointed that she hasn't been in it all this time, except for like little tiny moments and, you know, her picture on TV or whatever. But um, I was surprised that it didn't bother me because the show has been so good that as it's going I'm like okay it's fine they'll get to it I'm sure they'll get to it so if we get to episode nine and she was only like in an episode or two I might be disappointed so um but I was surprised that I didn't even really notice it anymore even though she was like one of the main reasons I wanted to see the show so I don't know yeah I I don't think I expected to see not that we see a lot of them but I didn't expect to see Jen's family I guess outside of Bruce which obviously we knew that he was Mm -hmm. in it and they were you know, they were a bit overbearing, but sweet in a way, especially her, her dad, dad is so he, cute. 
because, <laughs> you know, handled telling everybody she got fired a little bit better. But, but I think that happens like, in families. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, they were so sweet. And I loved that one of the end credit scenes is, is her helping around the house as She-Hulk. And I'm like, that was very sweet. I'm like, of course, you know, they're going to be like, hey, uh, we got some stuff to move. You and you're this. strong now. Can <laughs> we uh, borrow you for a bit? <laughs> one of the things that I loved about their house, like where her parents lived, was that it looks like Pasadena. It's very... And they shoot a lot of stuff in Pasadena, but I was right. like, this house is in Pasadena. I'm going to go find it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I just, I love that it looks like they live in Pasadena and it's very LA. I love like kind of like the drone shots of like downtown Los Angeles and seeing the buildings mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So much of the MCU is set in like New York or New Jersey or like all these areas. Right. So seeing something set in Los Angeles was really great. Uh, Supergirl was one of those other shows that the first season was originally set with the backdrop of Los Angeles. Obviously, it's not Los Angeles because it's like a fictional world. But I recognized all the buildings and I was like, oh, that's downtown L.A. Oh, I know where this intersection is, you know. So that was one of the really nice things about having She-Hulk filmed in Los Angeles because I was like oh I know that building oh I know where it's at and <laughs> once the series is over I might do like a list of like all the spots that a she had gone tour. to yeah. in Los Angeles I think it might be fun to do something like that um but it was nice to have like a hero in LA yeah if LAX Marriott shows up I'm gonna cry yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I you know and I loved you know kind of also how like Wong back, went back to her for more legal help a little bit, you know, with, with that, I can't remember the guy's name, the jerk that stole the swing. Donnie Blaze. Yeah. Like I was like, that's really, you know, kind of neat. Like, you know, like we were saying before, it's a good platform to kind of bring in different characters because yeah, within the MCU, it's not like a, we haven't seen much of the legal side of the MCU outside of like, the Sokovia Accords and stuff like that, but like because she is now known as a superhero lawyer, right? You know, you're gonna get people coming to her and be like, "Hey, what's up?" You know, like there are other superhero lawyers, but they uh, keep it separate. <laughs> yeah, for the most part. I really like that um, she got sued. Hmm? Yeah, I like that yeah. she got sued. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 no, that's gonna be interesting to see how that how that goes. Yeah, for sure. Maybe maybe Daredevil's gonna be her lawyer. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm like, maybe does like Wong know him too? Like, did, was there like an underground fight with Daredevil that we didn't see on screen? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, I, I can't wait. Yeah. Um, I also didn't expect like most of the MCU shows so far, like they have an uncredit scene in the first episode and like the last episode. Last one, yeah. I love that there was one for each episode so far and I'm guessing that that's going to continue. The, the first one, like, I was cackling, like, that was great, then our family, and then, oh, shoot, what was the, I don't know, the, they were all hilarious, you know, and, and the one with Megan Stallion, and then, oh, and then the one with, it was Wong, and I, again, I, I kind of sometimes pick up on little tiny details, and Wong was like, oh, we had that leftover from the wedding, and I'm like, what wedding? Yeah. <laughs> what wedding? Who got married? I'm like, who got married, Wong? I have a question here. Like, what? You know, um, yeah. And and I also liked how they brought in, like, we've seen it in, in a couple of the other projects, but, like, how they brought in, like, the existence of New Asgard on Earth with, with the shape-shifting elf 
one, yeah. you know, that was really interesting. You know, I, I like, I don't know what I expected from the, I do this a lot where I'll, I'll like watch the trailers for shows and then like not really have much expectation or like I, I but I just overall really enjoyed it. Like I knew I, I was probably going to like it, but it just, it's, I've loved it right. so far. So what are you guys looking forward to for like the rest of the season? Um, okay. So my only complaint so far is that she is just tall and lean. She's not really muscular. And that bothers me because we saw it with Louisa when, when, um, what is that? What, what came out? Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Um, um, and, and like her, Merch sold out first, and we it came out that the artist had to fight to keep her as muscular as she was, and the audience loved it. Like, how many times does your direct demographic have to tell you that we want physically strong women that look like they're physically strong? Like, they're, I'm convinced they're not doing any market research of any kind because it would reveal to them that the fan base wants her to be bigger. And there are certain runs of the comic books that draw her like that. But for the most part, and and in the comics, it was somewhat of a business decision because the reason Carol Danvers was so unlikable at the beginning of her comic book runs is because she wasn't over-sexualized. And so in order to balance the fact that She-Hulk was brilliant and physically strong they had to not make her as muscular and it, so that because at the time their, their demographic was still mostly young boys and, and men um, so that people would still buy the comic books, but we're past that now. Give me a beefier she Hulk. Um, so like that, I mean, and, and like Jane Foster in Thor, she, Natalie Portman did the work, man. She bulked up. Um, and with, with, with Jen, it's even a little bit more different because it's a gamma radiation thing. Like she actually changes size and color. She can gain muscles when she hulks up. Um, so I'm really, really hoping that once she finally starts to embrace the fact that she's a superhero, that maybe we'll get more muscles. Um, but yeah, that was my only like, come on guys make yeah, her it's, stronger <laughs> it's, it's kind of like how i remember a lot of people were um unhappy with how they changed uh miss marvel's power set but then at the in the final episode they did have her do that they didn't really change it they added to it yeah so i'm hoping that that's going to be the case with she Hulk, like you said mm-hmm. where like in one of the final episodes she will you know yeah have some muscles instead of just being what she is right yeah, because it might be just how she sees herself too, right? If she sees herself, yeah. she's kind of a petite. You see the difference when like she goes back down and she's, she's like so, so tiny in comparison to like whoever she's around, you know? Yeah. Um, so maybe she just sees herself as more of a petite person um, right. because she hasn't been able to see herself as a bigger kind of woman. Um, For sure. But yeah, it would be nice to see when it, because I think, Marvel has done such a great job with diversity in the MCU recently, right? But it would be nice to see size diversity in the yeah. MCU as well. And, yeah, you know, absolutely. different body shapes and stuff like that. Um, I don't think that that takes away from anything. I think it just gives us so much more. For sure. Um, I think that the main thing that I'm looking forward to uh, really is 
I know it's not a cameo show, but a couple more cameos. You know, I'm excited about Daredevil. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, just getting to know She-Hulk, because really I don't know much about her except the basic facts. Like, she's Bruce Banner's cousin. That's not, you know. I've, right. I'm just looking forward to getting to know her. And hopefully, you know, a lot of people have been complaining about, you know, how Moon Knight and Miss Marvel did not tie into the rest of the MCU. I was fine with that. I didn't mind uh-huh. because I know... <laughs> This is the long game, right? Mm -hmm. But it is fun to see, you know, her with Bruce Banner. And it makes sense for She-Hulk to be tied in more to the MCU with the Wong and the Abomination thing. All that makes sense. So um, I'm just excited to see where she's going to land at the end of this season. Is she still going to be representing superheroes? Is she still going to be a lawyer? Is she going to move from LA? Is she going to go somewhere else? Like, I just want to see where she ends up. I'm excited for it. I've enjoyed every episode. I'm here for the ride. I I know like literally one of my notes when, when I was watching the episode after she got fired, I was like, literally one of my notes was like, just go work for Nelson and Murdoch, you know, (laughs) they will understand. They will not tell you why they understand, but they will understand, you know, kind of thing. Um, Yeah. And same thing where, again, I know it's not a cameo show, but really looking forward to seeing Matt, um, especially in his (laughs) kind of silly looking suit. But I I do like that. It's more gold than yellow. Like, I I think it's going to look really nice. I think once we finally see the full thing and what bugs, I I can't do gore <laughs> really well. Um, so I, I've only watched like a first, like a couple episodes of season one of Daredevil and then like season three of Daredevil because it's what comes after Defenders <laughs> and I wanted to right. know what happened to him. Um, so I, I'm excited to see him in a setting where I'm not going to have to like do this every couple seconds kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like all the people complaining about the new suit. I'm like, did you, I'm like, I've seen season three once did we miss the part where most of that story was about how somebody stole his identity as daredevil and like stole his suit. And so, yes, he needs a new look, you know, so that people can separate that. Um, It'll be really interesting to see how they tie him in. Like, again, there's obvious ways that they're going to do that. Um, And I'm hoping we'll see a bit more of her embracing like the hero side of, of things. Um, Mm -hmm. Cause we kind of saw that a bit with those freaky gremlin looking bat things that the guy summoned from who knows where you know and Wong was like I need help hey you know I know you're like you're my lawyer I need help but like the superhero part of your being a lawyer kind of thing (laughs) which I thought was fun you know um and honestly I'm kind I don't know if it'll happen in this show but I kind of hope she winds up with like her own practice maybe um just because the one guy again, like, it just bugs me that he's like, you have to be She-Hulk all the time. And I'm like, yikes, you know? Um, And just, I'm looking forward to seeing where they go with it. Like you were saying, there's a whole lot of opportunities for this to tie in more. I, like, I had, because again, Spider-Man fan, I had to, like, pause the episode when Wong said, oh, we're not going to erase anybody's memories. And so I had to pause the episode and be like, (laughs) I had to take a moment. And yeah, I'm just, it, it's, it's just, it's just a fun show. I'm really enjoying it. I, whatever they're going to do next, I can't wait to see now. And, and, you know, I, it it definitely feels like they're probably going to tie in a bit to, to, um, Secret Wars, the next one that's coming out, or is that... And she was in that comic book run, so... Okay. Yeah. The Secret Wars, or, or, uh, Secret Invasion is like, is that the next Disney Plus show? 
or is something coming? Yeah, I think they're doing one of them as a Disney Plus show, which I'm not sure about, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, right. (laughs) And then we still have uh, Disney Plus Day on September 8th. True. Uh, There's a bunch of projects left. Yeah, historically, in the last two years that they've been around or whatever, they've dropped a lot of like new information. And then as well as right after that, D23 is September 9th, 10th, and 11th. So I yep. think we're going to get a lot of new information. So I don't like to speculate too much on like right. what's happening. Um, by the time this episode airs, I think we'll, I think this episode It'll airs. Disney Plus Day. Disney Plus Day. This yeah, episode four airs on Yeah. Yeah. Because cool. they, they, I'm, I'm so grateful that they moved to the, the Marvel shows. I hope that they keep this as a thing. Because trying to do Star Wars and Marvel in one day, especially because I work on Wednesdays are usually a day that I'm working. And I'm like, I very much got up and watched both Can't keep Obi-Wan and Miss Marvel the couple weeks that they were coming out. Oh, really? Sunday, which I think yeah. was a bit of a disservice to Miss Marvel. Not going to lie. It kind of bugged me that they did that. Um, but I'm glad that they now have separate days so I don't have to like get up like super stupidly early to watch especially with Andor having three episodes coming out at once I'm like whoa so yeah yeah so for us right now it's uh August 15th yeah and so Mm -hmm. this but this podcast episode won't air until September 8th so we'll see what drops today guys what's gonna drop today in the future (laughs) (laughs) I can't I mean like I'd love to say that that Falcon Winter Soldier, or, you know, excuse me, Captain America and Winter Soldier, as the name was changed at the end of the episode. It gets a second season, but also they're doing Sam If it doesn't get announced, so. I will cry. I know. I'm like, I, I would like it. I really do love that they're doing these TV episodes because a lot of these feel like they would have had to be two movies that yeah. we would have had to wait for. I wish that they would do more than six episodes for some of these things, especially like Miss Marvel. Some of that felt a little bit rushed, especially towards the end, especially with the whole story with her uh, extended family, I guess you want to call them. But, you know, it's, it's nice being that they can introduce these characters with these longer formats so mm-hmm. that we don't have to wait years and years and years for any of this stuff to like start crossing over you know, cause they are able to establish these characters and it, it's just, I love seeing these. I hope that they continue to do movies that are origin stories um, and not just, you know, throwing them right into whatever, but yeah. And then I also, one thing that I forgot to mention that really made me happy is I don't know if you guys noticed, but Mighty Thor was in the new. Um, yes. In the Marvel. Yes. Yes. yes I saw it too. <laughs> we were watching the, the opening like Marvel thing. I'm like, I like yes. seeing so many girls now. It was not, yeah. it was not that long ago where it was that one scene of black widow landing in the hallway uh, in Iron Man two. And that's all we had. And yeah. now there's, girls in the credit in the opening thing and i love it <laughs> it's a big deal it's a big like, deal it's, it's, like even when multi because miss marvel had only been i forget if it was like still in the middle of running or if it had like just ended before um i can't remember because i get confused or like the yeah, yeah. Was, was, under, was the first time I saw Miss Marvel in the MCU yeah. intros. Yeah, I love it. It's great. Yay! Oh, <laughs> yeah, that made me yeah. really. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see what they're doing next. But as long as you know, I just hope that they keep making sure that they're doing good stories and hiring the right people to tell each story. Black Panther is going to make me like. I'm kind of grateful that the last two. I will cry. Uh, 
projects of this phase four are two completely different tones. Because, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, She-Hulk is obviously comedy and Black Panther, I'm going to cry the entire time. It's just a fact. Yeah. I'm going to cry through that thing come November. Um, yeah, I can't wait to see that. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And, and like I said earlier, I'm glad that they can do those two different you know, tones, it's, it's great that they're, that they can do that and not just have it all be action, high stakes, spy stuff the entire time. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Do you guys have any, anything else you guys wanted to talk about with this? No, I I can't believe it was two hours. (laughs) We had a lot of talk talk a lot more, but yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to do another one once uh, all the episodes are out. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I would love to talk to you guys again about this. Absolutely loving this show. I cannot, I, I can't wait. Like, I wish that they were doing the two episodes for the first week thing so that we could get through this faster because I just wanted to talk to everybody about this because it's so good. I'm telling you, it's it. the worst part of seeing episodes in advance is not being able to oh, have to wait so long. With the I know, because, like, yeah, I, I just want to tell everybody how good it is and tell them my favorite. Like, I'm going to tell everybody how good it is, you know, because the social media embargo's up uh, later tonight. tonight at eight. But I I'm like, yeah, well, 11.30 my time, so, but I'm like, I just want to talk, like, I want to talk to you. I'm like, what do you think he meant by the wedding? The cool you part know, about you... that, though, is now we get to watch the internet's reaction to the show, because yes. we've already seen it, we know what happens, so now we get to, in real time, see people process it the way we already yeah. have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, except they have to wait a week in between each episode. Well, that's true. <laughs> I did, I, one, one of the lines I meant to mention, but I, I did love it in terms of their, them being self, self-referential for how they're expecting the show to be um, experienced online and everything. I loved uh, Jen's line about, oh, you, you look so happy because you saw Wong just now. Oh, it, it's everybody's happy when Wong shows up. It's like giving the show Twitter armor for the week. And I was like, <laughs> I'm like that's a good line. And I'm like, it, it's a little sad, but it's also really funny. <laughs> I really liked that part. Yeah, I, I, I can't wait to see. Yeah, it's sad that she has to say that and yeah. remind people, but I did yeah. love yeah. it that she did that. Yeah. yeah. I was like, yep. It's and it's funny because I had, it's funny because I had said out loud, oh, I can't wait. I hope Pong's in this. And then yeah. literally two seconds later, she says it. I was like, oh my God, they know us. <laughs> they know us. <laughs> 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 like, okay, yep, you, you, you got me. I'm sure. I can't wait to see what her line is about Matt when he shows up. <laughs> oh, it's going to be some great fourth wall breaking. I can't wait. I love it. I love it. Ah, oh, yeah. There, there's part of me too that just because one of my, irritations with the fandom has been the discussion of like are the are the Netflix show like main MCU canon and I'm like yes they are can we stop you know um but I'm really hoping because I I made like a TikTok as a joke nobody really saw it because nobody really sees my TikToks um but I made a TikTok as a joke that Matt could like directly face the camera be like hey remember in in season three when I found out who my mom was wasn't that crazy and people would still have arguments about if things are exactly as they you know like the characters are exactly as they are in the Netflix shows in the main MCU I think it'd be funny if we did that but you know we'll see I can't wait I'm very excited I just I one of the other things I meant to mention too was I hope that they keep the remember whose show this is energy yeah because Echo, like I don't know much about her though. I <laughs> I, w- I read the um, prequel book to the Spider-Man video game, and she's in that. 
um, cause that's just who I am as a person. Um, but, and I really, she's such a cool character. I'm like, yes, I'm excited to see that. Yes. I'm excited to see Kingpin hoping that the rumors about Jessica being mentioned in that are true, but yes, please remember that that is Echo show. Please remember that this is she Hulk's show. This is Jen's show can be excited about these cameos, but like it does kind of irritate me when people are like, Oh, the only reason I'm watching is for Matt Murdock. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully I, I, again, like you guys were saying, I can't wait to hear everybody else's reactions to this show because it, it's been fun. I can't wait. All right. So this is going to wrap up this episode of Temple of Geek. We want to thank everybody who tuned in today and especially you two guys for being here. Um, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok by using the handle Temple of Geek. If you want to check out some of our other episodes or shows, why don't you head over to templeofgeek.com and there you will find all sorts of content that, content that pertains to the world of geek. Have a good day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye, you guys. <laughs> Bye. Please follow us on Twitter at Temple of Geek. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash templeofgeek. And remember to visit templeofgeek.com, your one stop for all things geek. Goodbye. This will conclude our transmission.